Welcome back to Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 2. Three fingers, two teeth, and one leg. So the scream of the sea returns to port. And really, Hazel Peachwood doesn't feel one way or another about pirates, but somebody else in the orphanage does, Madame Drax. And when it comes down to it, Madame Drax is just as lonely as the orphans. I'm not lonely. You're lonely. Maybe lonelier. So lonely. I'm lonelier than a weeping willow. (laughs) And it can be difficult for her to find company, especially romantic company. But pirates, specifically some of the lesser ranks, like swabs, powder monkeys, and riggers, they maintain lower standards when it comes to romance. Shipping out to sea can be a monotonous, soul-crushing venture. And the memory of spending an evening looking into a woman's eyes can make a long trip bearable, even if one of those eyes happens to be lazy, like Madame Drax's. And she can nab a pirate on shore leave if she moves quickly. And that's where Hazel comes in. It's Hazel's job to secure Madame Drax's evening company when the pirate ships drop anchor. Just as Hazel can pin down the mystery ingredient in sludge, it's a bilger at. She can also pin down a squirmy, sidestepping pirate and talk him into a romantic stroll through the cobblestone streets of Cobbler's Gulch alongside Madame Drax. Madame Drax used to enlist the other orphans for this job, but it never really worked out. Squish and Lump, being dwarves, can only really appeal to dwarves. And it's almost certain that Madame Drax would smother an average-sized dwarf with nothing but a gentle hug. In fact, she's collapsed her fair share of dwarf lungs in the past. Copper and Gruff, with their pirate blood, have a hard time ensnaring their own kind, Even pirates have their loyalties. Aye, me hearty. (laughs) As for the others, nobody trusts Wittersh and Wayfarers or Shapeshifters. Nobody with more sense than a... uh, uh, uh. Oh, I'm hungry. And Madame Drax, for personal reasons, doesn't trust Hunchbacks. Never have, never will. So Oz, Zip, and Elwood are also out. And the task goes to Hazel. Call on Bully Van Pelt. You hearing me, you little gutter snipe? Yes, Madame Drax. But Hazel doesn't need to hear anything. Hazel knows Madame Drax's preferences better than the old crone knows them herself. If bully's already spoken for, then, then Fenrir Neptune Fendral. will have to do. And if not Fenrir Neptune, then Horatio Scab. And if not Horatio Scab, then Gideon Cuddy. And if not Gideon Cuddy... Madame Drax snatches Hazel's chin between her sausage fingers. Keep yapping like that and I'll yank your tongue out and add it to the sludge. Maybe call it Hazel Peachwood Porridge. How would you like that? Now, go fetch Bully. Hazel yanks free of Madame Drax's clutches and darts to the front door. On her way out, she looks at the boys who are still mopping and scrubbing and buffing. And they're thinking what she's thinking. Bully Van Pelt. The others won't do. If she calls on Fendral Neptune or Horatio Scab or Gideon Cuddy or any of the other second choices... Madame Drax will heap on endless chores, and there will be sludge until the winter. Hazel nods, reassuring the boys, and then she slips out the door. She races through Cobbler's Gulch, and the town is bustling. It's lively and festive, and suddenly Hazel remembers that a blood moon is only a few days away, which explains all of the hullabaloo. But the excitement in the air is particularly spirited, even for a lunar eclipse. And Hazel figures the scream of the sea must have brought back a healthy catch. A thought she confirms when she reaches the port of a thousand albatross. 
Hoisted off the edge of a dock, there's a sea serpent, wriggling and writhing. More than a dozen tentacles fighting for freedom. The pirates usually pilfer them from goozlers, who are expert in sea serpent dealings. The scream of the sea probably ran into this serpent on the way into port, though, because it's still alive and grumpy. Doesn't seem to like the fact that it's being harpooned by cabin boys with poor aim. A rigger shouts orders from about six horse lengths down the dock. Belay those tentacles, you weevil-eating blackguards, for I scare your gizzards! Hazel stops at the beginning of the dock, just too wise to step within striking distance of a full-grown sea serpent. Excuse me, sir! What are you nattering about, lass? Can't you see we be scuttling a sea serpent? I have a message! For Bully Van Pelt! Bully Van Pelt! As the rigger starts to heat up and loses temper at the thought of Bully, he peels his gaze away from the sea serpent wrangling just for a moment. That scurvy dog's already back on land. And that's when the tentacle snatches him off the dock. Hazel watches the serpent fling the rigger about a half a day's swim out into the mellifluous sea. No matter, she knows enough to know where pirates drink their ale. She spins on her heels and starts toward Three Fingers Tavern. The entrance to Three Fingers Tavern isn't all that impressive. It might be mistaken for a regular old closet. Assuming a regular old closet is adorned with the skull of a ditherbolt dragon. And the skull isn't just decoration. It's part of the tavern. Nearly halfway through the Age of Gloom, the dragon was slain by a man called Wolf Montfort. Wooden Wolf Montfort. He wasn't called Wooden Wolf at the time of the slaying. The wood, ha, came later. But we'll get to that. Wolf delivered the death blow with a scythe, just as the dragon swooped down from the second level of heaven, ready to hawk a thunderbolt from the back of its throat. But Wolf's aim was powerful, powerful, and true, and true. And so the dead ditherbolt falls out of the sky and it crushes down onto this field in Cobbler's Gulch. It falls so hard, it impresses itself into Cobbler's Gulch's soil. You know how mud gives way to a brook or a rock gives way to dirt? Well, the grass gave way to dragon carcass. Once it rotted, there was nothing left but a dragon skeleton. Three Fingers Fenwick, who wasn't Three Fingers at the time, convinced the people of Cobbler's Gulch that it made the perfect frame for a mostly underground tavern, which he built with his own two hands. But he wasn't much of a carpenter, and he lost his right-hand middle finger and his right-hand pinky finger in the process. Hence, Three Fingers Tavern. Hazel pushes through the tavern door, glancing at the dragon skull before making her way down the crooked staircase, which was once the dragon's gullet. And she steps into the belly of the tavern, which was once the dragon's belly. Handle-filled lanterns hang from the backbone that stretches overhead. Pirates, dwarves, fishermen, and a handful of carnival performers. Fire breathers and strongmen and a half-giant. They split their attention between half-empty mugs and disinterested barmaids. Hazel makes her way through the mob. She hasn't been in Three Fingers before. But after spending a childhood with Madame Drax, she can handle herself around these roughnecks. 
She flags down Three Fingers Fenwick and asks for Bully Van Pelt. Three Fingers points. He still has his pointer finger, which is lucky for him because he does enjoy pointing. Hazel follows his pointing finger to a table at the rear of the tavern, where the space tapers off near what was once the dragon's tail. Hazel makes her way over. Bully wobbles on his stool. He's just one swallow of ale from unconsciousness. He reaches for his mug with chapped, nail-bitten hands, but Hazel slides it across the table, pulling it just out of his reach. Surrender me ale, you wee squidling. I need your ear for a moment, Mr. Van Pelt, and it would be better if that moment was more sober than less. Bully gnashes his teeth and stands up, all wobbly-like. Don't give me no sauce, squidling. Just give me... Hazel snatches the mug off the table. Bully lunges for the mug. Hazel sidesteps the attack. Uh-uh. No, sir. She stacks up with seven boys, and it affords her a pretty diverse set of defensive skills. Bully succumbs to gravity and the 13 ales he's already guzzled. His face slams hard against the splintered tabletop, and then he rolls off and falls into a heap on the scaly floor, where he realizes that no ale will be surrendered to him until he surrenders a moment of his time. You got three winks, squidling. Now start gabbing, or I'll swing ye from the gallows. Madam Jax would like your company tonight. Ugh, that old gal still got eyes for me, does she? I guess she does, but only one eye at a time. Ugh. Groaning is a pretty standard response to any recollection of Madam Drax's lazy-eyedness. Not tonight, Squidling. I be keeping company with the widow Warbleworth for me. Sure leave. Madame Drax'll have to wait for a full moon or two for she again enjoys me enchanting ways. As he finishes, a piece of gristle shoots out of his mouth and lands on the table. He pinches it between his fingers, places it on the tip of his tongue, and then presses it between two silver-capped teeth. Bully came up the ranks a powder monkey, so it's in his nature to stow artillery. Whether it's cannonballs for sinking a gluggard barge or gristle for chewing the fat with a cheeky orphan. Now, surrender me ale. Hazel sets the mug on the table. Bully grabs the steel handle, but Hazel doesn't release it. Avast! You're right, Mr. Van Pelt. I'm sorry that I disturbed your ale drinking. Hazel gives the mug to him, and just as he raises it to his cracked lips, she gestures with her thumb at two large men seated in the belly of the bar. Oh, look. On the other side of the tavern, I see Gordo Crags and Argus Kriegspiel. The sound of these names washes over Bully, like a bucket of ice-cold goblin slobber. Goblin! Crags works at Huffnagel's livery stable. He's the only man in Cobbler's Gulch able to saddle a wild swamp donkey. Which requires not only savage strength, but a marked lack of concern for personal safety. And Kriegspiel is on the brute squad. Sure, it's just a seasonal job, but he landed it with a resume that only had three words. I break femurs. I'll just bend their ears for a while. Maybe longer. <laughs> Bully lowers the mug from his mouth. He bites his cracked lips with his silver cap teeth. And then he musters up the courage to ask his next question. What ye be gabbing at them for? Well, I thought Crags would laugh about the time you said a gluggard would starve to death. <laughs> All I had to eat was Crags' brains. <laughs> 
And I thought Kriegspiel should know about the carnival barker who carves your dice. Maybe he'll not be so easily hornswoggled the next time you two shoot craps. Blog, who'll be telling ye such tales? Madam Drax is a flibberty gibbet. Flibberty? What the devil? She gossips. Ah, I. Well, I guess I should get over to Mr. Craggs and Mr. Gobble your lips, Squidling, and tell Drax I be staying at the Chimes, where she can join me for grog and cackle fruit, and maybe an evening stroll. Now away with ye, if I'm to be keeping company with Drax. I'll need to swill a few more ales. Hazel spins on her heels to leave the tavern and walks right into the shadow of a stranger. He's tall and thick through the chest. His salt and pepper whiskers are like tree bark, and it would be clear to anyone that this man had been once upon a time handsome. But not anymore. Now his eyes are sad. He has the eyes of a man who's seen too much and endured far too much. He's not quite broken, but he's close, emotionally and physically. There's an ornate butternut stump that now replaces his left leg. The old man shifts the weight to his good leg and surveys the tavern. Hazel hears a wave of whispers sweep through the space over her shoulder. Nobody's laid eyes on him in years. Not since the age of gloom. I, I seen him. I, I seen him myself. I seen him crush one hundred goblin skulls betwixt his thighs. I thought he'd be dead. Didn't you know? Wooden Wolf Montfort can't be killed. Finally, he looks down at Hazel. He almost seems as if he recognizes her. He nods grimly and hobbles past her. Hazel brushes past him and out of the tavern, and she leaves with the feeling that that man was some kind of ghost. Thanks for listening. On the next Cobbler's Gulch, Lilt Blossoms, or, if you like, the most horrible thing to happen to Hazel Peachwood since her parents vanished. Before our next episode, if you're looking for a way to shore up your good fortune, consider telling everyone you know, everyone in your entire world, about Cobbler's Gulch. And say nice things. Goblins hate it when you say nice things. And it's best practices to do what goblins hate. I would think that's obvious, but you are a visitor here, so that's just a little free tip from us to you.